Yo, this is Pastor Tito here welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And in today's deep dive, we are continuing our series as a follow-up to my most recent sermon in Jeremiah talking about false teachers, false prophecies, because in order to follow through in your faith, in order to follow through with your life, then uh, I want to make sure that you are understanding and processing how not to follow through. And this was kind of like the biggest thing that I was really, um, really dealing with wrestling with, um, especially bringing the message yesterday, because see wrong, wrong teachings lead to wrong believing and wrong believing leads to wrong doings. And that was the issue that God had with all of these false prophets, both in Jeremiah's time and the same false prophets that Jesus said were going to come same false prophets that Paul would talk about all the time and say, they're going to come back like ravenous wolves. All right. Because listen, the enemy since day one has been dealing with false teachings and false prophecies because false teaching and false prophecy is nothing but a lie distorting the truth of God. You don't believe me? Read Genesis all over again. Read the very beginning of Genesis and listen to the devil's first interaction again with Adam and Eve. All right. God has spoken. He has said, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to, this is what's going to go down if you do this. And what does the devil do? Did God really say false teaching? And then he continues on and expanding that false teaching. Did God really say that? No, see what's going to happen is you're going to be just like God and you won't die. False prophecy. See, since day one, and this is why it's so important for us to be able to be on guard. I mean, man, Jesus, Jesus habitually was like, beware of these people. Paul, beware of these people. I mean, even the elect could be, even those that are saved like this. See, that's the thing. Just because you saved don't mean you got it. You can't sweat this. All right. Because the enemy will do whatever it takes to either keep you from the truth keep you from the saving knowledge of the truth or keep you from walking in that truth. Because if you walk in the truth of God and you walk in the light, okay, he doesn't have a defense to stop that. The enemy doesn't have a defense to stop that. All they can do is play offense with false prophecies and false teachers. So really quick, I want to kind of explain something here because man, if you go on YouTube and podcasts and I know this can be really hard because you got everybody out there calling so-and-so a false teacher, so-and-so a false prophet, so-and-so this, so-and-so that. So I want to kind of give you just some ammo to be able to help process this as you move on to be able to tag what I recently said. And first thing, the thing I want you to understand is you do not, do not, do not, do not need to be intimidated by or afraid of the word doctrine. Okay. Doctrine sounds fancy. Okay. Doctrine sounds deep. But doctrine just means what you believe. That's it. And the thing is that for so many, and I know for a while, like I I was on this kick and I know some people too, and I've heard some people be like this and I'm like, no, no, you know, doctrine. I mean, why are we so consumed with doctrine? We just need to go out there and just love people. We just need to go out there and just, just show them Jesus. Okay. But that's doctrine, dude. (laughs) Okay. I came to realize late that later. It's like, that is doctrine. I mean, that's, that's a really vague one. And, and, uh, kind of lazy one but at the same time i'll agree with you if you're if what you're saying it to me right now is we can't get so caught up with figuring out what's right and wrong that we don't do anything i'm with you there we go i'm good there because true 
Okay, true orthodoxy. I'm gonna go fancy with you right here. Listen, orthodoxy again is doctrine, just means right believing. Orthodoxy must be followed with orthopraxy, right believing, right doing. That's what that is. And so we need to make sure that we understand what we know and what we believe. Now, to help you a little bit, there are some categories to doctrine that I want you to understand. Number one, there's something called primary doctrine. And then there's another one called secondary doctrine. And there's another third category that I know I'm going to butcher right now, and I'm not going to say it uh, correctly. Tertarian or Teteri. All right. It is T-E-R-T-I-A-R. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a doctoral student at a university, and I think I should know how to pronounce that word. But anyways, um, the thing is, guys, is that a lot of our conversations and a lot of debates are necessary and it's good to be able to talk things out. But at the same time, we have to understand what category are we dealing with? Primary things. Primary things are the foundational things. This is doctrine that defines the Christian faith and literally it's okay. This is what makes us Christian and others not. That's primary. Things like the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the son of God. Okay, the God of the Bible is the one true God, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, some basic elements, salvation by grace through faith. That is basic elements, foundational primary things. Now, there are more to that, but I'm just giving you the idea. Secondary things are things that are important, but they're not deal breakers. Primary things are what define a church or a Christian, Christian church or just Christians from non-Christians. That's primary. Secondary is where a lot of Christians fall in. The secondary things, the divisions in secondary things is what makes one church one way and another church another way. We still agree with the primaries. We're still on the same team. But, you know, maybe we have some different views on some some specific things like different views on the Holy Spirit, different views on baptism, things like that. You know, again, they're not deal breakers to the faith. They're just some of those little particular things that we end up kind of gravitating towards. You know, some people believe, okay, worship should be expressed in one way and they like that. Some believe it needs to be more somber. So they organize that. Some believe more exciting, more emotional. So they go there. So that's the secondary things. And then the third category, that's just even less things, you know? So the, the things when it comes to secondary and anything beyond that, we, I have seen over and over and over again, Christians Okay, I've seen great examples and bad examples where you can have, you can feel like you are right and the other person is wrong, yet you still have love and you still are cordial with that individual. You're nice. You're not backstabbing. You're not this. You're like, listen, we agree on the fact that Jesus Christ is the son of God and salvation by grace through faith. And we're all sinners in need of a savior. Okay. You have one idea about baptism. I have a different one. You have one idea about the Holy Spirit or tongues or this and that. I got a different one, but you know what? We can still be on the same team. We still love and we can still learn and grow. See, that's, that's the part because we got to recognize that everybody is really learning. Okay. Everybody's learning. And the only thing that should keep us or the only thing that should convince any one of us is not a tradition. It's not an idea of man, but Anything that has to be back and tied back into the truth. Show me by scripture alone. 
shown me by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, because if the Holy Spirit is going to say something, he's going to back it up with the word of God. He's not going to say something. God's not going to contradict himself. So anyways, those are something that's important that we need to understand when you ever get caught up in a conversation. Okay. Even if it's with primary, I mean, the primary division is literally an atheist talking to a Christian. Okay. That's primary debates, but we're still called to love that person. We're still called to love the person we disagree on. You know, if you're a Christian arguing with a Muslim or talking about that, and you're arguing about primary things as a Christian, we're still called to love those people who don't believe the, what we, the things that we do, obviously, because we want them to, we should apply the same thing to secondaries and all the other stuff. But here's the thing though. So what do we do with uh, false teachings, false prophecies? When P, when we feel like somebody is saying something damaging because, Oh, that, by the way, that's the other thing. See, if, the, if you're going to debate on somebody, or if you're going to have a disagreement, does that, is that disagreement really bringing damage to that person's life? Yeah. You might argue and say it is okay. We can, figure that out, I guess. But that's the thing though. If that lie is bringing damage to people's life, that is a, that is what is considered a false teaching and false prophecy that needs to be rebuked, that needs to be corrected. Okay. But the thing is, like I said this last week, and I said uh, yesterday, whenever you guys are listening, um, the thing is, is that false teaching is false prophecies are always a corruption of the truth. And it's not, it's always either a distortion of what God is saying or just pure fabrication. So there is a form of reading the Bible that actually, I believe, is one of the things <clears throat> that keeps us from defining true truth and false things. And this is the one that it is best to do. All right. This is the, this is the approach. When you read the Bible, you should do it this way. OK, there's a approach to reading the Bible called exegesis. Now, I know it sounds like Jesus in there, but kind of is written more like Genesis. It does. There's no Jesus in there. But exegesis is when you look at a text and your primary purpose is to understand what is God trying to say. Eisegesis is you imposing a meaning to the text. That's eisegesis, that you're not really pursuing what is God trying to say, but you read it and then you are automatically interpret it by your own wisdom, by your own filters, by your own experience. That's eisegesis. Now, does it mean that our experience is void, that when we read the Bible, we can't bring our experience to the table? No. Yes, we can. But what begins first is God's experience. We can't, you know relegate God's experience to secondary. Like my experience is more important. My experience is what's going to help me interpret scripture. No, it's going to help you twist it. You pursue exegesis. What does God have to say? What is God's experience? Because he's the one who said it. He's the one who was there when it was written. What is God's experience? Now, eisegesis, when somebody reads a text and they impose it, All right? Let me give you eisegesis real quick. Famous one. Everybody loves to take out of context. Okay, Philippians. Y'all know it already. I, I, I didn't even say the reference. I don't even need to. You already know. Some of you guys already know what I'm going to say. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let me give you another one. Jeremiah. All right. I have plans for you, says the Lord, and they're good for you. All right. I said Jesus is looking at, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, meaning, you know what? Whatever I want to do, whatever my hopes and dreams are, whatever I want to accomplish, God's going to back me up. That's eisegesis. You're imposing a, a meaning to that text. Now, is it true? Does, can God enforce you and empower you to do 
what God is putting on your heart? Yes, but I don't know if you caught the difference. I said, no, God's there to God's there to help me do what I want to do. See, it's all about you, I, I and me. Jeremiah, right? I have plans for you, says the Lord, and they're good for you. Okay. Listen, <clears throat> when you read the context of that one, you could tell everybody reads that one and saying, oh, God's had, God has a beautiful plan and purpose for my life, and it's not a bad one, and it's going to be great because it, his plans are, for, are for, for good, and everything is going to go great. <clears throat> Let's back it up. Philippians, when Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, you read the context. What is, the, what is God trying to communicate to and through Paul there? He says, listen, that is not a, a verse that talks about that God's going to give you your ability to do hopes and dreams. No, that is, he's saying that he'll help you do the difficult things in the sense that he said, listen, I've learned to live with a lot. I've learned to live with a little. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Like that's the part that's like saying I've learned to be happy and content despite how much stuff I have. See, it's, it's, a, it's a verse about being happy. It's a verse about being content in Christ. Has nothing to do with you, you know, achieving your hopes and dreams. It's all about learning to be content in Christ. That's what that means. That's exegesis. Now, when you get that truth, man, there you go. The other one is a false teaching. That's eisegesis. And then you got the other one, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen, God had a plan for, uh, God had a plan for Paul. God had a plan for Paul and it was a good plan. It was good for his good and for his benefit. But my man got shipwrecked and beat and this and that. So much bad happened to Paul. So much bad. But yet even Paul would later say, you know what? It, it was for my good and it was for your good. I was willing to go through and I'll do it all over again. See, this is the problem. This is where we get false teachings and false prophecies is because we read the Bible wrong. And because we read the Bible wrong, we don't know God's word in his scripture. Then when we feel like we're hearing God speaking to us, we do the same thing. Because when you read the scripture and you impose your meaning on the scripture, God can give you a word, but then you impose your meaning, your interpretation on that word. And now you have a false prophecy. The other category is now being popular. It's called narcissus. Okay. Narcissus is you literally, you're reading the whole Bible and you think it's all about you. Okay. Narcissistic. There you go. Listen, no, it is all about him. And this is why I said, if you want to be able to interpret God's voice better, you have to know God's word. If, and and uh, let me just, uh, this one is a secondary disagreement. My personal, not just personal opinion. But according to scripture, this is what I can look to. God speaks. Yes, he does. <clears throat> Holy Spirit speaks. Yes, he does. Does he speak to us in paragraphs day to day like your best friend? I'm going to throw and call a flag on the play on that. Listen, and I used to do that. I used to feel like I, you know, I would just talk about God and say, God, man, you know, you, this, this, and that. And I said, whatever, you know, thinking about this and thinking about dealing with it. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know. And then I'm feeling like he's responding back. Man, that was me talking to me. <laughs> it was, I, I was talking to myself. I was talking to myself. I didn't even realize it. There's a lot of people who do that. Now, does God talk to you? Can he talk to you in sentence by sentence and paragraph form? Yes, he does. Now, we know God speaks, but when we look at scripture, when we look at scripture, that is not something that we, we should expect to hear God if there's a unique word here and there. But 
we can we can expect it, but we shouldn't expect it like like every two seconds. Like I just say something and God's gonna call me right back. It doesn't work like that. That that's imposing meaning. That that's that's going too much. That's going too much because, and here's the thing, it's like so many people, so many people are, are fail to interpret what God is trying to say because they're not, they don't care about what he's already said. Like they fail to hear and understand what he is saying. When he, when he does speak, they fail to understand it because they fail to truly examine what he has said already. This is, there is nothing new, man. It's, it's literally as people bored. I was like, you know what? Yeah, I know God said that in the Bible. I know God said that, but you know, I'm, I'm looking for what he's trying to say now. It's like, it, it, it is literally like so many people is like just bored. Like they're just looking for the new thing. They're looking for what's new. God, what's new today? What's new today? But all of God's word, I mean, when the more you dig and dive deeper into it, it is more relevant than you can ever imagine. Literally, this last week, I'm, I'm going to be real. I struggled with this last text. I was like, Jeremiah 23, 9 through 40. I'm like, who's going to want to hear this? Who's going to want to hear this? How is this going to inspire people? How is this going to help people? How is this going to help people fall more in love with Jesus? Like, I mean, this one's rough, man. This, because, you know, I had to dig, it, there was no surface level stuff on there. I had to really get in it. And that's the thing. It's like. There's so much in there. And when I found it, I was like, man, I'm loving now 23. And then hearing people, like when they were talking to me about, man, I can't believe that. I was like, that that really blessed me. That helped me. Oh my gosh. I was like, really? Dog, I, I thought this was going to, not that I thought it was going to flop because God's word always executes. And I, and I, I, I know all I can do is be bold and faithfully speaking God. And so I'm not surprised, but I was, I'm just loving it. Like at first I'm like, really? Oh my gosh. But it was just so cool guys. And that's the thing. It's like, if you want to be able to understand and better interpret God's voice, you got to get in the word. And how do you get in the word? Stop reading you into it and stop imposing your meanings to it. You got to be willing to just do more than just read for two seconds and then think you got the revelation. Chew on it, study it, break it down. There's so, and there's so many tools out there for us. But you can't be, you know, you can't be bored with what he's already said and you, and, and, and you care about what he's trying to say now. No. Nah. So listen, that's where you got to be careful. All right. Now, let me break something down here because uh, with the get now I had mentioned yeah, in the sermon that we are all prophets. A prophet in scripture is someone who has had an encounter with God and they relay that encounter and they relay that message to others. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, a true regenerate person, son and daughter of God. Now you are a prophet. You have had an encounter with God and you have been given a message, the message of the gospel. And God says to all his apostles, all his disciples, go and tell, go and tell them what you've seen and experienced. Guys, that's, that's the role of a prophet. You and I are called to be evangelists and prophets. Evangelists go and tell non-Christians the truth. Prophets speak to Christians about the truth. And especially the hard truth. If, if you have a Christian who's either wayward, disobedient, rebellious, or, you know, believing or following or teaching false, false stuff. But so that's the role of that's the prophetic role we all have. But the Holy Spirit does give the spiritual gift of prophecy of sometimes foretelling, you know, and that we see it in scripture in the New Testament that sometimes God does give a prophecy of foretelling, meaning something that's going to happen in the future. And he does that to, again, to confirm and do so many things. But um, but it doesn't happen. It is 
it is not happening as often as so many people think because, man, especially this last 2020 and uh, the 2020 election and 2020 things, I mean, people spitting out prophecies left and right. I'm like, whoa, yeah. See, uh, no, that wasn't God at all. That was you. That was you. And that's the thing with, with people that give false teachings and false prophecies, they literally think they're giving God's message, but they are so selfish and so self-centered their visions, their dreams, their feelings, they literally think are the Holy Spirit. And it's not. Okay, that's what happened to Jeremiah. It's what happens to people today. It's what happened to Jesus. It's what happened to Ollie, Paul and everybody else. They are so narcissistic. They actually think their voice is the voice of God. And they play the Holy Spirit thinking that they're following the Holy Spirit. Do you... Is it, is it a coincidence that Jesus said in Matthew 7 at the end of his Sermon on the Mount, many false teachers and prophets will come to me and say, God, have we not spoken in your name? Have we not done all these things in your name? Is it get away from me, you ruleless, you lawbreakers. I never knew you. It was all about you, not about me. So this is, this is a big deal. So when you got the foretelling, okay, that can happen. I believe that does. I, I feel like, you know, God is, I've, sh- I've had some elements of that um, in moments here and there. And but the foretelling is the important one. It's to tell a truth or to, to speak the truth. Now you have the spiritual gift of words of wisdom and words of knowledge. A word of wisdom is literally the Holy Spirit showing you a, giving you a godly perspective, a godly direction to take action. And this is a you know, it's rightly applied, like literally it's what you need to do. And because knowledge applied is wisdom. And so a word of wisdom is godly advice that literally you need to do. And when you do it, boom, there it is. There's the results you were trying to see. Sometimes God will give you and the Holy Spirit can bring, give you a word of wisdom for yourself or for someone else. Um, And that's what that is. Then you have a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is not a godly perspective of a direction or an action, but it's a godly insight. It's an understanding where you may be praying and you may be dealing with somebody and you're listening and they have an issue. And then the Holy Spirit just, boom, gives you this insight, this revelation, this detail. And you'd be like, listen, man, have you ever had this or do you, you experienced this? I'm like, bro, how do you know that? And I was like, man, see, that's the Holy Spirit right there. See, the Holy Spirit will give us words of wisdom, words of knowledge when we talk to people. This is why in scriptures... This is why in scriptures the you see the the Holy Spirit as somebody who will give you the words to say in the moment. Jesus promised that. And in the New Testament authors, we see the same thing. The Holy Spirit will give you words to say in the moment that the Holy Spirit, if we're leaning on him during these conversations, that he will help you learn how to address people in specific circumstances. That's the word of wisdom. That's the word of knowledge where you can take what God has already said and rightly speak it and rightly apply it in your current context. See, that's what we're called to do, but we have to be still cautious and careful because I said a minute ago, right? The the false interpretations, like if you want to practice speaking on behalf of the Holy Spirit, that comes from practicing spending time with the Holy Spirit, with the, with God, with the father. Okay. And practicing that is practicing 
the word of God. That's the study, understanding, because the more you understand God's written word, the better you're going to interpret. The better you can interpret God's written word, the better you're going to be able to interpret the words of wisdom and words of knowledge. Because there's sometimes a, a, a word a word of wisdom that you think what they need to do and you tell them to do it because the Holy Spirit told you. No, that was you. And you just thought it was a good idea. And maybe it was because sometimes it's common sense, you know, but how can you tell the difference between it's the spirit's voice or my voice? Get your book, get your nose in the book. That's what I say. Get your nose in the word of God more and more. Spend time with the spirit. Let him speak to you. You listen, you interpret, you read, because the better you get to know that, the better you can not only know what to say, but you can be able to rightly discern what others are saying. You can't discern a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge from people unless you know God's word better and better. That's important. That's super important because listen, I've even since the last 24 hours when I preached this message, I've already talked to people and they were you know, telling me about, yeah, they, they, they were, there were people who gave them prophecies about this and about that. And, and they were to, told them this and told them that, and they were just devastated. And I'm like, or these empty promises that in the end were just fluff. And I was like, it wrecked their life. It, it, it ruined them. Like they followed the words. They followed what God quotation air marks had said. They were obedient to it. And it backfired because it was not godly insight. It was not godly insight. It was man's insight given the stamp of approval. This is why Jesus, this is why, well, Jesus, yeah, all right, but this is why God was so upset with the prophets through Jeremiah. I'm like, they keep on using the burden of the Lord. They're using my name in vain. And that, and, and that damages people's lives. And I know there's probably some, I've, I've had that, man. Man, some people talk to me and told me things that they've said negative stuff, telling me things about this and about that. I'm like, listen, what you need to do, give me words of wisdom. What you need to do is you need to do this. You need to do this. It turns out that that uh, so-called prophet had people in their ear talking to them, telling them my business. And so here this person is giving me a word of wisdom. But in reality, because I know this person loved me, he was just trying to give me sound advice. But he was because it was in the middle of an emotional, spiritual moment, you know, kind of passing it off like it was the Holy Spirit. I'm like, man, that was you, dude. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. Turned out, holy, I, and I, I didn't. Thank God I ignored that voice because I, I didn't feel it. I was like, nah, something don't feel right. <clears throat> something don't feel right. I ignored it, and thank God, because I, I have my wife today because I ignored that word of wisdom and word of knowledge. And I've had people too, man, give me these words of words of wisdom and words of knowledge about hopes and dreams. Oh, you're going to be a this and this is what's going to happen to you. And, and you're going to get this and this is what you're going to be doing and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you know what you're doing? I came to realize later, you are just projecting my dreams to back to me. Do you know that that can happen? You know that the, the God can give people a spiritual gift of sensitivity. Again, word of knowledge, like just insight. And people, and I've heard this too, that pe I've seen people give testimonies and false prophecies because they are discerning something. They have this insight of this individual, yet because their mind is so small. Yeah, I said it, whatever. Their mind is so small and their spirit is so selfish that they just jump the gun and they interpret and this cocky. Let's just be real prideful. They interpreted that insight into something and they project the insight back. I'm like, that's like me giving you a dollar and you giving me my dollar back. 
Like you've done nothing. Like I've had people project hopes and dreams that that's, that's what I wanted. It wasn't what God wanted for me. It wasn't, but they were telling me that's what God wanted. No, it's what I wanted. They, they were just hyping me up, but they were just telling me what I, either what I thought I wanted to hear or hey, look, I'm going to be real. I think some of them are very sincere, but again, they, they missed, they shot and missed because they took a word of knowledge and because of their lack of discernment, instead of calling out that hope and dream and saying, that is not of God, God wants you to give it away. So, and follow you and to, to follow him and trust him. They give it back to me, telling me it's God giving it to me. And so that almost wrecked me, man. And I know this happened to a lot of people. I know this happened to a lot of people. And so, but <clears throat> what's important, excuse me, what's important is knowing that, man, we got the truth matters. We got God and we need to be able to really not be afraid of this. Cause what I'm trying not to tell you to do, and I don't want to like be on the far side of this, um, in the sense of saying, like, you know, I'm not saying words of wisdom are, you know, the Holy spirit doesn't speak or words of wisdom and words of knowledge and blah, 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 this and that. I'm not saying that I'm saying he does remember that's, that's how I started this. But what I'm trying to say is give you a, a perspective that I felt Jesus told us to do is just beware. Like literally just don't eat it up. Okay. Beware, beware, beware of the, the more popular preachers, you know, now and I'm going to stop and say something there. There are some very popular preachers that are good and they're popular for a reason because God's blessing them and using them and giving them a platform. So popularity does not necessarily mean a problem. Okay. It just, what I'm trying to say is that popular doesn't just mean, Oh, this person doesn't have a problem. That's what I'm just trying to tell you. There's a lot of great popular preachers out there that listen, they hit and miss too. I know, I know I've gotten things wrong in the sense, again, maybe the secondary things, you know, or, and I'll say it wrong in the sense of not, maybe I, I look, I, I'm going to be real. I'm, I'm, I'm a human being. I'm pretty sure I've said things that were like, wow, yikes. I wish I can get that back. I, I was completely on the opposite end of that. And I've also said things in the sense that, wow, I was wrong. Not because I was on the opposite end, but my view was too small. Like it's actually bigger. It's actually better. It's actually, you know, more complicated than the way I was making it to be. So I just want you to know that. Okay. Now every good, good teachers are going to be, you know, good teachers are always going good preachers, all that stuff. Not everyone's going to say everything perfect the way it needed to be said, should be said. But I just want to warn you because a lot of popular ones are also popular for a reason because they might be telling you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. And that's the, that's the thing. All right. And, and, or they just give you the sense of emotionalism, right? I mean, there's a lot of great preachers out there that talk about the Holy Spirit, a lot of great teachings out there. And I am, but Bro, most, uh, I swear, I swear, I don't know if I, I don't want to say most of it. I want to say that, but I'm just, this is me exaggerating maybe right now, but good chunk of it is just tradition and man-made ideas. A lot of what we see with the Holy Spirit is, is a lot of tradition and man-made ideas and can't be referenced to chapter and verse. And why? I'm not surprised because the Holy Spirit is the more, the most powerful thing that you and I need. It is what makes our faith. All right. It is, that is it. It is the forgiveness of our sins and the infilling of the Holy spirit. That is the fuel, the power. It is the power of God in us. And the Holy spirit knows that I'm sorry. <laughs> the devil knows that the Holy spirit is a big deal. And so what does the devil try to get us to do to flood information? So it gets, so we're either too scared of these things or we get too consumed with these things. 
And we're, and then we get consumed with the emotionalism and the feelings and the this and the goosebumps and the excitement. And then we're chasing feelings instead of following Jesus. That's not chasing the spirit. That, that's not what that is. Like we have to be aware. I mean, again, the scriptures say it. The heart is deceitful. Who can understand it? You and I can lie to ourselves and believe the lie. We can lie to ourselves and believe our own lie. This is why it's so important to know truth and to be humble and open and walk in the light and allow the Lord to continue to expose any of those things in our lives. So we're not misled. So we don't mislead ourselves and we don't find ourselves walking away from God thinking we're following the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> That's the biggest shocker in the world. And I found myself in that way sometimes. Holy Spirit, you know, like the Holy Spirit brings revelations like, yo, that's not me. And I'm following this feeling or I'm following this move thinking it was the Holy Spirit and it wasn't and it was leading me away. It was a false spirit mimicking the Holy Spirit. Remember the angel, the devil likes to walk around like an angel of light, a disguise. There's a lot of demons out there disguising themselves as the Holy Spirit, trying to get you to follow them, thinking you're following the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it would happen and we need to be on guard and careful. And one of the ways that we're on guard <clears throat> is it's what I said about like, well, I passed up pastor Mark Driscoll's word was we need not just do good things. We need to say hard things. Saying a hard thing is doing a good thing. If you see a believer in Christ Jesus, that man, yo, some of the stuff that's, Oh, it's not just secondary. It's like primary stuff. No, call them out. If, if, they're, if, if they're sinning and they're rebellious and they're compromising, no, say the hard thing. Tell them. Tell them the gospel is not God loves you. You're special. The gospel is that while we were yet sinners, God showed his love for dying for us. We need to be willing to say the hard things, knowing that we don't have to be afraid. For the Holy Spirit will give us the words. And in the end, being faithful in speaking is what God expects of us. You know, it's up to the person if they're going to choose to decide or to listen. You know, like I said, some people, you're going to speak the truth in love and say, listen, brother, I love you, but you know you're wrong on this, man. I got to tell you, you know, you know better than this. And they're going to take your act of love as an attack. I'm like, oh, you judge me. But you're not attacking them. Yeah, you're attacking. That's, that's the enemy in them trying to be defensive because they're like, uh-oh, truth is out here. There's light. We got to hurry up and hide that. You know, we got to keep stay in the dark because the light's going to expose them. And so when they get defensive, it shows you, ooh, something's up. Something's up. Now, I had somebody at the end tell me, uh, uh, the one and only Michael Shun told me a good question, a little uh, uh, post-game post -game, uh, conference, post-game interview. He asked me, he was like, well, when is it a good time to be able to say a hard thing? Because, you know, obviously that's kind of like the hard part about it, right? It's one thing to say a hard thing, but what makes it also more complicated is like, it's kind of hard to know when to say the hard thing. Well, yeah, bro. Like, you're not just going to just randomly come up here and just be exposing people for, for their debauchery, right? In mid conversation, you're like, how are you doing? Well, how are you doing? Okay. Uh, can we talk about your, can we talk about your spiritual life? What'd you do last night? You know, like, uh, there's a certain element of saying hard things that, yeah, you just can't be out, you know, like a machine gun, just, you know, you know, just lighting people up left and right. That's, that's, that's not it. Again, remember, Paul says we speak the truth in love. And it's a loving thing to say what people need to hear. 
Okay, do you understand? That is love. It is love to say what people need to hear. It is not love just to tell them what they want to hear or to hide them or protect them from the truth. And so how do you know when to say the hard thing? Holy Spirit will tell you. See, that's where the, in order to speak and say a hard thing, we also have to do a hard thing. We have to learn to listen. We have to learn to listen to the Spirit, um, not jump to conclusions, not just jump to assumptions. So easy to presume and assume. And it doesn't work that way. But again, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will tell us when to say, what to say, how to say it, and to whom. I answered this one already. And so what we do, we just can't be as afraid. I mean, what are you afraid of? I want to say a hard thing. What are they going to do? Oh my God, they're going to yell at me. Oh, they're going to call me a bigot. They're going to call me a, they're going to call me this. You know, they're going to make fun of me. You know, they're going to at me. They're going to hashtag, you know, well, why? That's it. That's it. That's all. They're going to say something to you. They're going to hurt your precious feelings. Get over yourself, man. See, here's the thing. I've heard and I've seen, and this happened to me. I've had people tell me the hard thing, not what I wanted to hear, what I needed to hear. And I hated them for it. But a little bit later, that hard thing, that seed, it took root. And I'm glad, I'm glad they said what they said in the end. Guys, you never know. Every time you speak God's word, God's word never comes back void. It always fulfills its assignment. God don't miss. Okay, God don't miss. You think you might and you think you miss, but no, see, you might say a word and somebody might reject it. You might say a word and you might and they're like, "Ah, whatever. But then if another if enough people be saying words to somebody, eventually, boom, there it is. See, Paul would say this like, look, listen, some of us plant seeds, some of it, some of us water, you know, some of us do, you know, some reap, some, some sow, but the Holy Spirit is the one who gets all the credit. You never know. You know, you got to think bigger than you. You got to think bigger than you. What if the word that you're going to say to this person is going to be the final word that's going to literally be the deal breaker? Or what if the word is going to be just another dent in the wall that God is putting that eventually will bring it all tumbling down? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. See, and, and this is the part too is like, well, what if I say it wrong? What if I listen Paul said, he said, look, I don't come at you with all these words and this and that and fancy stuff. I, I, I come at you with, with, with literally power and demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. Meaning, it doesn't matter how fancy I say it or how smart I say it. The Holy Spirit's the one who's going to reveal it to you anyways. And so that's encouraging for us. Because you don't have to be a fancy speaker. You don't have to be a guy who, who listen, I stutter all the time. Listen to me. I mean, I'm pretty sure some of y'all been frustrated. I'm frustrated with myself. I, I start sentences I just stuttered. Look, you know, I stutter and I, I start sentences I never finish. And I'm like, bro, I, and I hear all these other preachers and all these other people. It'd be flawless. And no, no, love, all love on them. All right, for real. But some, I, sometimes I look at that. I'm like, man, bro, I sound like a bumbling buffoon. But in the end, it's not my fancy word. It's not the way it's not, you know, it's the Holy Spirit. That will bring the revelation. Now, of course, I don't want to now come off and I'm, let's not go to the other side and be like, it doesn't matter how you say it because the Holy Spirit. No, but you don't want to be a jerk, bro. You don't want to be like that neither. Just be all insensitive. Again, we speak the truth 
in love. And sometimes it has to be tough love because the truth is tough. The truth is tough to hear. The truth is tough to say. But that tough love is necessary. It is. It's love, man. We, we never lose sight of love. Whoever you're talking to, you do it because of love. Not in a place of hate or prejudice. No, love. False teachers, false prophets. You know what? If somebody be false, love them. Love them. We rebuke them because we love them. We rebuke them because we want to see a brother and sister restored. We don't now you can rebuke and be very judgmental with your nose up. Don't do that. We rebuke false teachers and false prophets because we know, listen, there are going to be false teachers, and false prophets. Jesus said they're going to stand judgment day and they will be condemned thinking they are serving. So are you doing a false teacher a favor by keeping that opinion to yourself? No. Sometimes it's a hard thing to call even a popular preacher a false, a false one. Because there are people listening to that person that are being misled. There are people, that person themselves being misled. Okay. Love them. Be compassionate with them. Be humble. And recognize, listen, you might be on the receiving end of one of those. You, you might be wrong. More than likely, you're going to find yourself wrong at, in a lot of ways. Again, either completely wrong or just maybe this, the truth of what you realized, you've kind of settled it and put it in a little box, but the truth is actually bigger. Okay? But we need to be loving. We need to be these bold truth tellers. I said it, I'll say it in the summer, I'll say it again. Okay? Some of the most biggest, I mean, the internet has, has blown up and given these false teachers and false prophets a platform like no tomorrow. All right, we got some religious people out there, horrible, horrible false teachers and false prophets out there. Okay, mainstream media, false prophets, false teachers, fact checking this and that. I mean, literally, like they'll allow this, but anything that resembles truth and lie. Oh, no, I see. You just expose yourself. I see you. We need to stand up. We need to be bold, prophetic truth tellers that speak the truth in love and boldness because souls are on the line. Souls are on the line. And it is not bold to say God loves you. No, that's cheap. God's love, that's cheap. It's bold to say God showed his love for you. While you were yet a sinner, he died for you. And the thing that you love, you need to repent of that. See, this, it's a hard thing because you're literally telling, yeah, God loves you, but these people don't love God. They love their sin too much. I've been there. God had to free me from that. Just telling them God loves you doesn't mean anything because the problem is not that God doesn't love them. The problem is that they love sin too much and they don't love God. And they need to see that God loves you despite your lack of love. And it is his, the kindness of Christ that will lead to repentance but it's also the gospel and the truth. Paul, I'm unashamed of the gospel. I'm unashamed of letting people know they are sinners in need of a savior because that is the power that will transform lives. Look it up. Romans 1.16. Listen, we need to do that and we need to be careful. Jesus said that some in the last days that there's going to be false teachers and false prophets with signs and wonders. These people, listen, that's another one. Just because a prophet, just because somebody... Okay, 
can heal someone just because something miraculous happens. That miracle doesn't mean automatically that this person is right. Jesus himself said, no, 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 don't even go with that because you're going to have some false teachers and false prophets that are going to be doing signs and wonders and they're liars. We need to be careful. Okay. Test it, test it and testify it. All right. That's what you need to do. Test the truth, test the scriptures, test the spirits, test those words, test yourself in God's word. All right. Test it and test it. Apply it. Apply it to your life. Apply what I'm telling you today. I'm trying to apply it to myself. I'm trying to literally test it and apply it. Apply it yourself and then testify to the truth. Don't be assuming, all right, well, hey, you know, God, God said this. I I feel like God's putting this on my heart to tell you. Just believe it. It's real. Man, be careful. No, what has God said? That's what Jeremiah was telling people. No, what has God said? That means you got to be confident and sure. If you're going to speak on behalf of God, you better be sure. Because this is why James even said some of y'all shouldn't be teachers. Some of y'all shouldn't say anything because those who teach, those who preach, those who prophesy, you're going to be judged more harshly because people are making decisions on your words. People are making life altering decisions by what you're saying, thinking they're doing what God wants them to do you got to watch out you got to be careful i don't i know i'm i know what i've signed up for and i every sunday every time i'm like god help me and i pray if i'm help me god because i don't want anyone to i don't want to mislead anybody i'm not not the smartest guy in the in the the group and, and this and that and so god help me please and that's where the grace of god comes in so don't be afraid spend time with god spend that time with him all right. And you'll, the hope that you have is will, will, will fuel that the, the hope that you know that that here is Christ and, and the spirit in you, you know, will give you the ability and the power to say a hard thing. And remember, I said I ended the sermon yesterday. I ended the same way. Is it really that hard to give a message of hope? Because that's what you have. It's a message of hope. It's, it's, it's hard. Some people think it's hard because, oh, I have to tell someone that, that they're a sinner. It's like, no, it's a message of hope. You're telling, look, you're dying here. Live. It's a hard thing, but it's a message of hope. May we get over ourselves and pray with boldness. Like, God, give us boldness to say the hard things and to get over ourselves. Forgive us of our selfishness. Forgive us of our pride. That's what we need to do. Okay. Do good, do good things, say hard things. You won't please everybody. Like I said, you're not going to please anybody anyways. So you're not going to please everybody anyway. So, but doing good things and saying hard things is how we please our heavenly father. Do you know why it pleases him? It pleases him because when we do good things and say hard things, it allows God to do his thing. To open up eyes. And save sinners. So guys, let's speak up. Let's pray for boldness. And let's spend that extra time with God. So we can be the revolutionaries that revolve, again, their life, all, everything around Christ and Christ alone. Let's do it.